1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, <clears throat> and as always, I thank you for the music, and that certainly is a blessing, and I appreciate all the hard work that goes into our good music <clears throat> week in and week out. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, if you can think all the way back to last Sunday, I know some of you can't remember what I preached this morning, <clears throat> but last Sunday we began uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, and I did not get through the entire message, and so I'm going to uh, pick up where I left off last Sunday night, and I will review a little bit to uh, remind us of where we're at, and uh, then I believe there'll be some things that'll uh, help us again this evening. And I want us to always be mindful of our responsibility as a church and what the Bible teaches us that we should be doing as a church. And certainly, uh, this chapter and this message is, is intended for us to uh, be reminded of that. Uh, just as a child of God, just as I taught in Sunday school this morning, and, and we're to re be reminded uh, what our pattern is uh, for living. Our pattern is not this, this world. Uh, we should not be satisfied because we are not, in our minds, as bad as this, this lost world. That's not our pattern. Our pattern is Christ. And so we should be living more like Christ and less like this world. Same is true of us as a church. Uh, we don't get our mandate from, survey, from surveys done of churches. We don't get our mandate uh, by any religious group. Our pattern is the local New Testament church. And I remind us of that. We're going to get back into the introduction again and re re review these things because just as today there is pressure on the church to conform and not be different, there is pressure on God's people during this time. There is no new thing under the sun. That's why this book is as relative as it's ever been. Uh, there's no new thing. Uh, why would the devil come up with new tricks if they work so well? Uh, there's no new thing. God's message has not changed. God's gospel has not changed. And so uh, we, the problems that the church has had in these days gone by, uh, specifically we're looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians tonight, uh, we can certainly learn from them. Let's read the entire chapter again tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to us all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for, for whom you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Uh, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture again. And over the last many, many months, we've looked at many of Paul's epistles, and uh, certainly there's a pattern there for us. And tonight's message, just to remind you, this is part two, a pattern for the church 
from ancient Christians, a pattern for the church from ancient Christians. Father, help us tonight as we look into your word. May the Spirit of God be our instructor. And Father, I, I thank you already for the wonderful day we've had in church. Great crowds today, people saved and baptized, and uh, I believe the, the church has been encouraged today. And Father, may uh, we look back in Scripture this evening, may we be reminded of the pattern, the example that has been set for us. May we then follow that example. Uh, may, the, may we then uh, receive the blessings that you bestow on those who obey your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll remind you several things about this church and these churches and Christians. Uh, they, this was the letter to the Thessalonians, the church at Thessalonica. Uh, Thessalonica was a metropolitan-type city. It was not a Christian world. Uh, sometimes we look at our nation and how America has certainly changed. And we say, Pastor, it is difficult. It is difficult for a child of God to live like a child of God, act like a child of God, and serve God in this day. And we, we, sometimes we, we feel sorry for ourselves and we say, well, it's just, Pastor, it's 2021 and things are different. Friend, things that have never been, they're the same as they've always been. These Christians uh, faced persecution and they lived in a pagan land. It was a pagan place. They, it was a worldly place. Uh, they, were, they were persecuted uh, for trusting Christ as their Savior. They were persecuted uh, for being part of that called-out assembly. I remind you, as we studied Paul's ministry companions in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, uh, when he speaks of Demas, he says, Demas, having loved this present world, hath forsaken me. When, where did he go to the world? It was Thessalonica. That is where he went, leaving Paul and going to the world. So that gives you an idea of what kind of place this was, what kind of city this was. It was a, pl it was a, it was a, a place uh, that, that, that all, all the world had to offer. Uh, it was certainly there. I remind you in Acts 17, 5, uh, it was uh, at that where they attacked the Christians at the house of, uh, of Jason. There were certain Jews that stirred up with envy at what God was doing, and they uh, were trying to stop the message of the apostle Paul. It was there in Thessalonica. Uh, chapter uh, 17 of the book of Acts and verse 13, uh, it was again uh, as the gospel was preached that there were the Jews who stirred up uh, trouble. Anytime God does something, somebody is going to stir something up. I mean, we could solve a lot of the problems amongst the brethren uh, if everybody just get the power of God on their life and, and God would work at every work. We'd have to worry about what everybody else is doing. And that's the same thing that happened. It happened in Thessalonica. When the church began to advance, these Christians faced certain persecution. And so we need to remember this, and I want to remind us this, and certainly our world has changed. We live in a nation today that has forgotten God in many respects. The things that are on the front page today, it just it, it blows my mind to think that there's even any debate, there's even any, any discussion over whether or not it's murder to, to kill an unborn child and, and, the, and, and the gender confusion. Friend, uh, if you're confused, that you're really confused. There shouldn't be any confusion about uh, the way God made us and all we live in this world. And it's sad, that, that, and it's, and it's sad because uh, of the way the church has changed today as well. And so we need to be reminded it has always been difficult in any day for God's people to serve the Lord. We're reminded, we, we looked at this in other passages of Scripture, that uh, Satan is the prince in the power of the air. He, it's, this is his domain for now, but it's his domain. And the church 
is the most powerful thing. It's the thing that he is afraid of. You think, that, you think the devil's afraid of a hashtag campaign? You think the devil's afraid of the social gospel? Let me tell you what the devil is afraid of. Uh, truly, that man was the Son of God. He's afraid of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, who is propagating the gospel? It is the true church. It is the church that is preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see, as Paul writes to these Christians, he's going to address many things in this letter to the Thessalonians. But I want us to focus on chapter number 1. And I'm going to review very quickly what we went through last week. And we'll pick up uh, with the end of the outline tonight. Uh, we looked at verse number 2. And we saw that there was prayers made for the church. And I just remind you very quickly, because I don't want to spend all my time on what I've already uh, gone over last week. Uh, he prayed for uh, the new converts. He prayed for growth. He prayed for faithfulness. And there were prayers for the new church. And just a very quickly, it's a quick reminder to you and I as a church, we ought to be praying for one another. Uh, we ought to be praying. Before you criticize somebody you go to church with, before you, you talk bad about somebody you go to church with, have you prayed for them? Before you, before you have a problem with something the pastor has said, I don't, you, can, you, can, you don't have to like what I say. You don't even have to, I mean, somebody not liking me, I can't fathom that. But you don't even have to like me. Uh, but before you criticize, have you prayed? Have you prayed? We ought to be praying for one another. Uh, there's a new, there's a new, there, were, there, were new, there were new people born into the family of God this morning. We ought to be praying for them. We ought to be praying for one another. Uh, he, he gave prayers for the church, how that encouraged them. How that encouraged you. You imagine what it would do in the life of another Christian if they just got a note from somebody and said, I'm praying for you. Uh, don't send a note if you're not going to pray for them. But we, he said there's prayers for the church. We said number two in verse number three, there's some things that he remembered without ceasing. He, he noted he, he remembered their work of faith, their labor of love, uh, their patience of hope, and how uh, he remembered uh, those things because they made an impact. Very quickly, remember those that have uh, made an impact on your life, spiritually speaking. Uh, we shouldn't forget them. Uh, every, the people who've made the greatest impact in my life are people that were in the church. Uh, there, there was messages priests, there were Sunday school teachers, their faithfulness, there was, a, there was an example that was set. And the Apostle Paul is marking this. The Apostle Paul is mentioning this. He remembered without ceasing their faith. You and I can make a great difference in the life of somebody else by those same things. By a work of faith, by a labor of love. And by the way, uh, we do what we do and work in the, and work in the ministries, work. Uh, serving the Lord is work. Those of you who ran those buses today, you got up early. You got on that hot bus, it was work. Uh, you teach Sunday school, you have to prepare your lesson, it's work. There were things that were behind the scene, that, 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 those that got up and sing today. They didn't just get up today and say, hey, let's go sing. There was work involved in it. Why do we do that? It's a labor of love. We first love him, but we love one another. <clears throat> then we see in verse number four, he says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Uh, he, they, had a, they had a testimony of salvation. He, and he reminded them of their security in salvation. Friend, aren't you glad that once you're saved, you're always saved? Uh, when, well, I'm, so thankful. I'm so thankful for that. Those that believe they could lose their salvation, they better not lose it on the wrong day. Uh, boy, what, what, a, what a slander against God that he, he's not capable of keeping somebody saved. What a slander against the blood of Christ that it's not enough to redeem men. But he reminds them of their salvation, and we need to be reminded this day. Say, Pastor, I've got problems. Yeah, but you're saved. No, it's a wicked world, but we're saved. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
And friend, we've got to be reminded of that. We have the Spirit of God that dwells within us, and no matter what this world throws at us, throws at the church, God is greater. And he reminds them, you're saved. Friend, let me remind us very quickly before we boot. We're saved. We're, we're, we're His church. We're the redeemed. We're children of God. We belong to Him. He says, know that you're saved. Then we see number four, verse number five, is where we spent a lot of time last week. We see the delivery of the gospel. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. That's what we talked about, the difference in, 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 in the so-called gospel today, the so-called emerging churches today, the so-called community churches today, is they, they can, you can check the boxes of a doctrinal statement, but there's no power. There's no assurance. Part of my responsibility as a pastor is to assure you that this is the word of God. Why in the world would I... Put, that, put a doubt in your mind that this isn't the Word of God. You know, I used an illustration in, in Sunday school this morning about how I went to the doctor, and he checked me out and, and was amazed at what a healthy, fine specimen that I am. That wasn't a joke, folks. What your, I don't know what your problem is, but uh, could you imagine if he says, my diagnosis, all the medical journals say this, and experience says this, says this, and before you get up and go, I don't know if that's really true or not, Good luck. You say, that, that's silly. Uh, when it comes to the word of God and our salvation and the way to live, Paul was saying we, the gospel was delivered in power, in the Holy Ghost, in much assurance. And I remind you as a church, what makes the difference between the Emmanuel Baptist Church and those that do, do, do not make a difference for Christ is the fact that we have the gospel. It's delivered in power. It's delivered with the Holy Ghost. And it's delivered with the assurance that makes the difference. It's real. There's nothing more, what's the right word? I'm in the pulpit, so I want to be disgusting, uh, 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 insincere than the syrupy spiritual talk with, with, with no substance, with no, nothing behind it with no power, with, you know what I'm talking about, no spirit of God. And it's real, and he speaks of the real, the deliverance of the gospel, okay? And so now we're going to pick up, if you didn't know, that's where we left off. So we pick up tonight in this pattern for the church. And let me remind you, these are Christians in Thessalonica. Let me remind you, this is a pagan land. It was more pagan than the land we live in. It's more pagan than in the world we live in, it's sad to say the United States has drifted as far as the United States has. It's sad to say that Christians live in a way that 40 years ago lost people wouldn't live. That's how far our nation has come. But I still don't think it was like Thessalonica, the persecution that these Christians faced. It's a good pattern for you and I in the world that we live in today. Notice with me in verse number 6, this is, if you're keeping an outline, this would be number 5 as we continue in a pattern for the church from ancient Christians. <clears throat> Look at me in verse number 6. <clears throat> and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we see, fifthly, that there was a pattern set for others to follow. A pattern set for others to follow. Now, if the Apostle Paul had lived in the day we lived in the day, he would have been accused of being a dictator. He would have been accused of man worship because he set a pattern. He set an example. Let me remind every one of us, and if, you, if you're a parent in a home, you have a responsibility to set a pattern as an example. 
Every Christian should set an example or a pattern to somebody. Part of my responsibility as a pastor is to preach the word of God, to pray, to, to seek the will of God for this church, but it's to set an example. I promise you, I've used this statement before, but I promise you, if, if you have a loved one on their deathbed, you don't want a dude to come pray for them. You're not looking for a hipster to come pray for them. You want a man of God who can get a hold of God, someone who's, who's set a pattern. We're to set a pattern. The Apostle Paul set a pattern. He said, follow, uh, in verse number 6, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. And there was a pattern that was set. I still believe in the world we live in today, it's important for a Christian to have a testimony. It's important for a Christian to be different. It's important for a Christian to, to, for people to know. I was also, uh, and I, I'll try not to embarrass anyone, uh, I was with my doctor and there was a church member who had gone in and, and he didn't know that he went to church here. But he said as I was talking to him, I could tell by talking to him he was a Christian. So I began to ask him questions to find out more about that. And my doctor's a saved man and he, and he said, and when he told me who was this pastor and where he went to church, he says, I was not surprised. I said, I was waiting for you to say I was so surprised. But uh, he says, I was not surprised. That's the way it, sh it still should be. We still should set a pattern. There are things that I've used this as an illustration before. There are things that I don't particularly think that the Bible necessarily forbids, but I would not want to be a stumbling block because when people look at their pastor, there's just a certain thing that they expect. You expect somebody to be an example. We all should be that example. <clears throat> but notice also in this verse of Scripture the circumstances in which they receive Christ. There is no perfect time other than the now for somebody to get said, well, when the circumstances are perfect, then we can preach the gospel. Then we can no, notice what the Bible says. He says in verse number 6, And of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, they, when they chose Christ, they chose affliction. When they chose to receive Christ, they were choosing persecution. Uh, we have enjoyed the freedoms in America, have we not? I'm thankful for them. But, but the reality is, except for this period of time in history, that we've enjoyed freedoms, and there's still been persecution in the United States of America, but not like we're talking about here. I think many times, and some of you give testimony to this, if, if you get saved and you have, we're going to talk about in just a few moments, you turn from those false gods and you have family disown you. You have people turn their back on you. That's much affliction. Friends, I've, I've said it before, I like being saved. I like having my sins forgiven. I know I'm on my way to heaven. There's no affliction that can compare to the torment of hell. But those are circumstances. There's much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Um, Paul and Timothy and Silas set the right kind of example. And uh, we ought to set the, the, the same kind of example. Notice, notice then in, in number 6, we look at verse number 8. I like, I like this. Uh, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. Now, Paul had a great ministry, didn't he? I'm going to help you with that. Yes, he did. Uh, he was that missionary who took the gospel to the Gentiles. And everywhere he went, a church started. Uh, we, we remember the study on ministry companions and how 
all those companions who helped with the gospel, all those unsung heroes who helped in the faith and, and helped in these churches. This is one of those such churches. He had a great ministry. People came to Christ under the, the, leader, the ministry of Paul. But notice what he says. He's not talking about people that he led to Christ. He's not talking about messages he's preached. He's not talking about uh, uh, stands that he took necessarily from, for from you. Sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God were the spread abroad. In essay number, number six, there was an every place proclamation. Their faith was proclaimed everywhere. Everywhere they could talk about, they talked about it. Their testimony went forward. Uh, and by the way, let me remind us, it, it's those that are different that make a difference. Those that are different make a difference. If everybody's the same, why would, they, why, would they, why would anybody need to change? It's those that are different that make a difference. And their, the gospel went out from them, the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. That is exactly what we need to continue to do. We need to, everywhere we go, we need to be speaking of the gospel. We need to be telling of the gospel. Say, Pastor, I'm not a preacher. Just tell people what God did for you. Just tell people how God changed your life. Did he not change your life? Did he change your eternity? Tell God, people the best you can what he's done for you. Tell people how he saved you and changed you. And I promise you, with the power of the Holy Ghost and the word of God, the truth of the gospel is going to be proclaimed. It is going to meet, move forward. Throughout the centuries, there have been those who've tried to, to, to extinguish the gospel and extinguish God's church. It's never happened. And might I give you a little spoiler alert? It's never going to happen. But there was an every place proclamation. Week in and week out, to God be the glory, the gospel is proclaimed from this pulpit. It's proclaimed from Sunday school classrooms. It's proclaimed from different places. But quite frankly, it's not, and it's going to continue to do that, but quite frankly, that's not enough to make the difference that we can make. It's got to be proclaimed on front porches. It's got to be proclaimed in public squares. It's got to be proclaimed over a cup of coffee. While we're at it, we can proclaim it over a taco too. That would be, that would be good as well. Every opportunity we have, that's why I've, I've been emphasizing, and as we get closer to the end of the year, we're going to take Sunday nights, and we're just going to, we're going to go through uh, winning the soul to Christ, uh, getting them to church, uh, what, what needs to take place to, because there's a pattern that God has set to, to reach the world with the gospel. And, and so we're going we're to take some emphasis on that, but it's just to remind us why the emphasis, yes, we have a soul winning time on Thursday night. We have a soul winning time on, on Saturday morning. If you can make it come, but it's okay if you witness to somebody on Monday. It's okay if Tuesday pops up. It's like, well, you know, somebody comes up to you and says, what must I do to be saved? Well, if you'll see me Thursday night, if you'll see me Saturday morning, that's an extreme situation, but sometimes we're not looking. Let me challenge you this week. Look for a lost person. You won't have to go far. If we're looking, it's amazing what you look for when you find. I read an article not too long ago. It's like the way the mind looks. If you, if you, some things you don't ever see, but if you start looking for a certain make and model of car, and a color, they just start popping up everywhere. 
And I was like, oh, that's, that's not true. And then I was like, oh, my, there, there goes another one. There goes another one. There goes another one. It's true. It's the way the brain works. I, I bring that up to say, what if we did that with somebody who looks like they need the gospel? Somebody who looks like they need an encouraging word. So I, I can't tell, Pastor, how can you tell if somebody needs the gospel? You can't see the person's heart. Well, I guess, I guess we'll just have to ask everybody then. I guess we'll just have to be an everywhere we go proclaimer of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see in number 7, in verse number 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. There was, number seven, there was conversion and a direction change. Notice what the Bible says, how you turned to God. You cannot, they could not turn to God unless they turned from idols. As they lived in a pagan city, they learned to worship pagan gods, whatever the god of the month was at that time. And all the different beliefs and the polytheistic belief that there's many gods, and so whatever gods you serve, and of course we know there's only one God, Jehovah God, and so as they would serve, then they would hear the gospel. What would make the gospel stand out? I tell you, it's the, the Holy Spirit of God. And by the way, you and I are to proclaim the gospel, but you and I have never saved anybody. You and I can never save anybody. When I get up and preach, if I give the gospel, as we witnessed this morning, it's only the Spirit of God that can do it. So it's our responsibility to make sure the Spirit of God is welcome. It's our responsibility to make sure that the message has been bathed in prayer and that those are ready and, and from, the, from the handshake in the parking lot to, to somebody having a seat to sit with and somebody being befriended and they're here for the first time and they hear the gospel preached. It is the Spirit of God. An alliterated outline has never saved one sinner. As much as we like the music, the music prepares the heart. The music is not the gospel. The music is never not, has never saved anybody. It's the Spirit of God. And what took place? Uh, you, when somebody would hear the gospel, and, and, and Paul would preach the gospel, and, and Silas would preach the gospel, they would hear that, and they would say, I've heard the name Christ, and, the, and now that you preach his gospel, how he died and was resurrected, and he is the hope, and we must put our faith in him, they could not take Christ and set him next to their God and worship those false gods. In order to turn to Christ, they had to turn away from the false gods. Now they were a Christian. Now they have, have, have believed on Christ. In doing so, the only way they could be converted is to say, these gods cannot save me, therefore I am believing on Christ. You cannot believe on Christ without rejecting, in this case, those stone idols, those mythical gods. Same way you got saved. You couldn't depend on your works and Christ. You couldn't depend on Mary and Christ. You had to turn from false gods and believe on Christ. So there was that conversion the same way they got saved is the same way we got saved. But after their conversion, notice what the Bible says. To serve 
the living and true God. We got saved to serve. That's, aren't you glad you're saved? Are you serving? We got saved to serve. Now, <clears throat> let me, those who have, they're worshiping these false gods, they hear the gospel message, they turn, how, how they turn? Because they're, they're turning to Christ. It's a natural thing. I've used this illustration before. If we're going to serve the Lord, you can't serve the Lord hanging out here with the false gods. The idea today to say, well, we have a, we have a, we have a blended service. Is Pastor, are we ever going to have a blended service? No. There's a difference between the holy and profane. Let's, 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 let's sprinkle some, some, some false gods in with Christ. No, we're not having a blended service. If you're going to serve God, you've got to decide that you're going to turn from. That's why this book still preaches about holiness. This book still preaches about separation. It's all about serving God. It has nothing to do with salvation. A bunch of legalists. You don't know what, you don't know what the word means. It, Christ is salvation. If I'm going to serve him, then I still must keep my back to the false gods. Now, my salvation is 100% Christ. I have, to, I have to turn from, as a child, I was not depending on Mary to get me to heaven. I was not worshiping Buddha. But I knew I needed a sinner, and I said, I can't, I knew I was a sinner. I said, I can't save myself, so I'm going to turn to Christ for my salvation, and I believed on Christ. Look at your Bible, it's right there. From idols to serve the living and true God. Only the living and true God can save man. As we looked at this morning in the morning service, the crucifixion of Christ, and that centurion that was there by the foot of the cross, and he declared, truly, this was the Son of the living God. Truly, this was who he said he was. He was Christ. He shed, he shed his blood on Calvary. He's the only one who can provide salvation. He is the only one worthy of service. I'll never understand. I'll never understand somebody who depended on Christ, and that's the only way we're saved, depends on Christ for salvation, but serves what could not save them serves the false gods, serves the flesh. I'll never understand it. I'll never understand it. Why is it? We, our flesh couldn't save us. It was Christ that saved us. He saved us to serve him. I say this, I say it unapologetically, every child of God should be serving him. Every Christian who is not in the house of God serving, it's a reproach on them. Now, we should do everything we can to, 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 to compel them to be in the house. You ought to be in the house of God. You ought to be faithful. But we were saved to serve. And I don't have time to go into the whole doctrinal explanation, but very simply, once we're saved, positionally, we're already in heaven with Christ. He longs for his children to be home with him. So the moment we get saved, why doesn't he just take us home then? Because there's a work we're supposed to do for him. There's a work he would have us do. And Paul is writing to this group of Christians, and he is acknowledging their salvation in this pagan world, but he's acknowledging their service for him. I'm thankful for the Emmanuel Baptist Church and the service for our God. The service 
It takes place. So many things that's going on behind the scenes to make today happen. You didn't do it for your pastor. You did it for God. We serve him. Serve him. Y'all be reminded of that. That's why it's important. If I'm serving him, what is it that is pleasing to him? Uh, we ought to, we've been converted. We turn to God from idols, and we, they, he acknowledges that they live to serve. They, they, they're serving the true, the living and true God. We ought to be serving him. Then notice number 10, and, and finally, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Number eight, he mentions to them, they're waiting for the return. Who are they waiting for? They weren't waiting for the Antichrist to be revealed. Waiting for the Son to return. By the way, too many Christians are looking for the revealing of the Antichrist when we ought to be looking for the return of, return of Christ. Sometimes it's interesting to think about because it gets us closer to the return, but it don't matter. He, he's not ruling and reigning over me. I'm raptured out of here. I'm with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Just a reminder, a reminder for all of us, and there are signs of the times. I'm not denying that. I'm not saying we shouldn't pay attention to them, but he is, he is mentioned there that you ought to be waiting for the return. Now, I think, I don't know that I need to clarify to us, but I will clarify. It doesn't mean that you're just sitting around. I'm saved, so I'm just going to sit here and wait on him to come back. No, because we've already established we're supposed to be serving. Uh, now, if we really believe that he's coming, he could be coming back today, why is there such an emphasis in, 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 the, in the New Testament on us watching for Christ's return? Because if we really were watching for his return, we would realize it could be today. We want to be busy when he got here. We really believe that. There's lost loved ones that we would be praying for daily. We'd be witnessing at every opportunity if we really believed he was coming back today. Really believe we're watching for him today. If Christians were really watching for the return of Christ, the church house would be full today. I mean, I, I can't prove this from the Bible. I've told you, I think, I think he's coming back on Sunday. That's where, that's where Christians ought to be, is in the house of God. Uh, I'm not going to go build a doctrine out of that, but just, just my opinion. We ought to be serving, not just sitting. That's why we as a church say, Pastor, look, that's, that's why I don't think it's, it's ironic that God has blessed us the way he's blessed us. We all know what happened last year. We all know all the turmoil in this world. We all know, we, we, we got eyeballs. We, we, we know what happened in the election. We looked at all the, I mean, we see all that. Pastor, it's going to get really bad, maybe. But, but God's church's directive is the same. Is 2021 really the time that we should step out by faith and build? Yes. It's the perfect time. Because as, as the world events move, we are, every day we're getting closer to Christ's return, but certainly I believe it could be at any moment. I don't know what else would need to take place for Christ to return. And that trumpet could sound today. So we as a church, we need to be serving. We need to be looking. We need to be active. We need to be, we need to be, we need to be prepared for his returning. To serve and to wait. It's not just sitting. Who are we waiting for? Let me remind all of us tonight as we look at this pattern from ancient Christians. We're waiting for whom he raised from the dead. 
even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. I remember as a child hearing the Bible story of hearing the account of the crucifixion and remember the Holy Spirit put me under conviction. And I knew I did not want to face the wrath to come. I didn't understand all the doctrines of salvation. And by the way, I didn't have to. I just needed to understand that I was a sinner and I deserved hell. And Jesus was the perfect sacrifice as the Son of God to pay my sin debt. As a child, when it was told to me that all I had to do was believe and put my faith in Him, my hand went up. I'll do that. He saved me from the wrath to come. Friend, there is a wrath to come. We, 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 we have no fear today of the judgment of God. Christians live today with no fear of the judgment of God. It's real. This world, they, they curse and blaspheme God, and quite frankly, if he, if he returned again in the same manner he returned before, they'd crucify him again. But friend, I remind you, he's not returning the same way he came before. He's returning as a triumphant king of kings and lord of lords, and he will take his rightful place. And there is a wrath to come. That's why we should be faithful. That's why we should be vigilant in preaching the gospel. The most important thing is, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be thankful. Well, I'm discouraged. Well, get over your discouragement. You, Jesus saves you from the wrath to come. Well, my life has been difficult. And Pastor, if we serve the Lord, there's so many sacrifices. There's so many things. Oh, nothing. It all pales in comparison to the wrath to come that, that Jesus saved me from. Let me just testify, you don't have to get on this train if you don't want to, but I deserve to go to hell. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve the wrath. But thank God he loved me enough to send his son and shed his blood so that I could turn from the idols of my own, own sin and turn from the idols of my own satisfaction and look to him. And aren't you thankful that he saved you from the wrath to come? No matter how wicked this world gets, the New Testament church needs to stay focused. What is our task? Well, Pastor, it's, it's more difficult. There's, there, there's fewer and fewer of us. Don't believe that lie. Just like, don't listen to the media tell you that everybody hates America. And everybody, those, those Christians, and everybody hates God. Don't believe the media. Don't believe this narrative, too, that there's... No, God has his church. God has his church. And by the way, if we were like these churches of Thessalonica and we were the only ones, it'd still be right. I'd still want to be faithful. I've shared my heart with you as your pastor many times. My goal and my desire is just to be found faithful. See, if that's our goal, it really doesn't matter what's popular and unpopular. It really doesn't matter what's accepted in society and not. I want to be faithful to this book. All of us are going to enter into eternity one day. If we're saved, we're going to enter into His presence. And those crowns are going to be presented. Just, just to have the glorified body, just to be in His presence, what, what, a, what an undeserved opportunity we get to look forward to. But when those crowns are presented, I want my name to be called. 
Because to be in his presence, all of us, no matter how much we do, we're all going to wish we had done more. Because we're truly going to be reminded of how worthy he is. I like to have something to cast at his feet. Say, this was done for you. There's not going to be any, okay, we're going to have the most likes on Instagram award. We're going to have the hashtag award. We're going to have the internet forum award. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Pleasing man is not on the docket that day. Conforming to society is not going to be looked on with favor. It will be shame because he is worthy. I just want to be found faithful. That is what God puts a premium on. Child of God, be faithful. I know we live in a woke society, and your company may get woke and, and try and you be faithful to God. There may be family that turns and leaves, and there may be some who recant what they have been taught, and, and that's, that's painful. And, and those that have prodigals tonight, how, how much pain that brings to you. But you be faithful. 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 Every Christian who's ever made a difference, they just determine I'm just going to be faithful. What a great pattern. You know, sometimes we, we, we think we're doing pretty good. Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm not, we're not as bad as the world. Well, that's such a high standard we've set for ourselves. That's not the standard. He's the standard. Oh, Pastor, look at what we've done as a church, and to God be the glory. We've, we've been faithful. But next time we start feeling really good about ourselves, let's start thinking about these Christians who Paul's addressing. Let's think about the times when the Apostle Paul, anytime I feel sorry for myself, start feeling sorry for myself, I'm just reminded that when the Apostle Paul preached, they threw him in prison. They beat him. We, he's the beloved apostle Paul to us. He wasn't beloved at that time. How, how ashamed are we going to be, those unnamed martyrs in Hebrews 11? I, 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 took, I took a stand. Did you, I hashtagged Christian. You saw it right there on my social media, hashtag Christian. I took a stand. I'm not against you doing that. Now, you're, what you post ought to line up with the word Christian. But friend, we got to stay true to that book. As God's church, we've got to continue to press forward. What a standard that has been set for us. You've seen a theme, theme the last couple of years, I believe. I'm just hitting a lot of reset buttons. And the more, the, the darker the day, the brighter the light. And I believe that time is short. We only have so much time, certainly, in our natural life on this earth. And I think we, as God's people, ought to take advantage of it. And I do believe, I do believe, there are those who are looking for the gospel. They're looking for that which is different. And may we be faithful as God's church. God blesses faithfulness to his word. God blesses faithfulness to his word. Let's determine to be faithful. Father, I pray that you...